Welcome in to the Locked On Stars podcast. I'm Josh Clark, the Dallas correspondent at NHL.com. Joined by Kenneth Nash, side expert, NolanWrighton.com. It is Friday. We're bringing you this Friday evening episode. Happy Friday. Happy end of the week to all of you. Kenneth is currently uh, portraying a turtle popping out of its shell with his <laughs> head popping out of his jacket. I don't know what this means. Uh, this is This is what insanity looks like. You're in, you're going insane. Welcome to the well, club. We've uh, Josh and I. For all of you that don't know, which is all of you, uh, Josh and I have been on the phone for about an hour and a half. This we is have true. yet to record. This is true. We have said, "Hey, let's start recording," and then we don't start recording. We probably said that ten or twelve times. But now we, we are have recording the content you're desperate for. We have started. They're hearing us now. Yes. So we're. I guess there's no turning back now, unless we just decide to restart the episode, which we will not. <laughs> We will not. Don't no, we will not. Don't hit that stop button, Kenneth. But anyways, once again, happy Friday to all of you. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're all staying safe and healthy out there. We've got episode 84 of Kenneth and I's. Now Kenneth is, he's put his hand in his jacket. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to stop talking all about right. what Kenneth's doing <laughs> just over FaceTime. Okay. Sometimes I just try to see if I can make Josh laugh. He in tries the of to make talking. a break character, but instead of breaking character, I just instead of breaking stride, I just involve what he's doing into my conversation. So as if you broke stride just now. No, I didn't. I never stopped talking. Yes, you did. I kept go okay, regardless, we're not gonna debate on this. We've got Dallas Stars hockey to talk about, and that's all you need to know. That's all I need to know, and that's all our listeners need to know. Stop that. Okay. But anyways, happy Friday. We've got a good show today. We've got a lot actually to talk about regarding the Stars, starting with training camp, uh, their fourth session of training camp on Friday morning over in Frisco. We'll also talk about the Vesna finalists for a little bit and maybe even incorporate Dallas Stars goaltending into that because why not? That is... Because they're not Vesna finalists. Yes, they're not Vesna finalists, but we need to Spoiler incorporate alert. them anyways because this is the Dallas Stars podcast. So we'll talk about that for a little bit. We'll also talk about the Fox Sports Southwest broadcast schedule that was announced earlier this afternoon uh, covering the Stars exhibition game, round robin, and the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But Kenneth, before we get to all that, let's go ahead and start with the main topic of the day being the Stars training camp. It was back on in Frisco. They took Thursday off after three hard days on the ice to start the week. They were back on the ice this morning and we talked about it yesterday. The groups had been shuffled up. We had known that going in. Groups had been separated into a more, I guess, distinct layout where group one was basically all of the guys and Joel Hanley, all of the guys that finished the regular season with the Dallas Stars when the season was paused on March 11, or March 12th, rather, and then adding Joel Hanley in to take over for Roman Polak's spot. And then your second group was more of your Texas Stars, junior players, former first-round picks, those that small group of the younger guys that haven't necessarily, uh, I guess, clinched a full-time NHL roster spot just yet, but have still proven, whether it's been this season, last season, or even a few seasons before that, they've still proven that they are viable NHL options. That's why they're at camp, and that's why the Dallas Stars could be taking them to Edmonton with them when they travel on July 26th. But uh, definitely a distinct layout to the groups today, and in practice today, they worked on a couple of different things, but 
one of the most notable takeaways from today was that the players were, and I know you were six hours away, so you obviously didn't get to see this, but the players were very, it was a much more energetic, much more lively, much more physical, rigorous practice that by the end of it, you know, guys were down on one knee, guys had taken their helmets off, there was sweat, I mean, there was sweat everywhere, guys were breathing hard, it just looked like a regular practice. Yeah, I think we, we've kind of talked about, you know, Bonus's schedule and Coach Coach Rick Bonus's schedule and how he wants to address uh, conditioning and practice as well as rest. Uh, obviously, coming back to their fourth um, their fourth day of training camp as they get ready to head out to Edmonton and and endure and engage in the Stanley Cup playoffs. There has to be days like this that I'm sure we'll see sprinkled out throughout the the training camp time period over the next couple of weeks, which are days to really kind of test the uh, the endurance, the conditioning levels of the players obviously they've had this massive gap they've essentially had an off season so you can you can frame it as they're coming back from an off season getting ready for a new season in yeah. a way and these are the types of things you would see they've got to see where guys are at they've got to see where guys need to be what they need to do to get guys where they need to be so i wouldn't be surprised if you see these kind of sprinkled in they're not going to be an everyday kind of thing because they really can wear out the legs of players really quickly but you have to gauge where guys are at you're only a couple of weeks away from from playing meaningful hockey games, Stanley Cup playoff hockey right. games, and so you have to know: can this guy, you know, can this guy go, you know, X number of shifts? Do we need to limit his ice time? Do we need to limit his ice time early in the game to make sure he's fresh for the end of the game? Do I do I just not want to feel? Do I not want to handcuff myself into being reliant on him in the third period because he's just not up to it quite yet? You have to know these things and these kind of skates where they're just, I mean, they're just going 100 miles an hour the whole day. They they have to be done, and, and this is the best way to kind of measure that endurance of the players. Yeah, and definitely, as you said, time is of the essence. And Rick Bonus even was asked about that earlier today via Zoom call. Uh, following practice, they asked, you know, uh, the skate looked a little more physical, a little faster, a little higher paced. And he said, well, that was, you know, intended because we had seen through the first three days, and he also mentioned this was the reason they had split the groups up to where you have your NHLers in group one and your prospects in group two. He said through the first three days of camp, we had seen a lot that we liked. We had seen what we wanted to see from conditioning, from, you know, players working together on lines. And at this point, he thought it was time because, you know, Kenneth, they only get 10 total training camp skates over the net from Monday to next Saturday. So only 10 different skates. So he mentioned that you want to have your team together as much as possible. You and I touched on this last night in the podcast on Thursday, but you want to have your full team together. You want to have lines one through four, pairings one through three, your extras and your goaltenders all on the ice at the same time because it helps build that bond. It helps build that chemistry back up. And so that's what they had today. And as a result, they got a chance to, you know, liven the pace up a little bit, step it up a couple notches, and guys were feeling it. And that's a good thing, Kenneth, because like you said, you want to find the balance. You want them to get there. You want them to get back up to game shape as quickly as possible, but you don't want to overwork them, over push them to where you're risking the chance of injury. Yeah, and and I think the key words there that you used are game shape. Uh, obviously, you try. These guys are professionals. They knew that there was a chance they were coming back this year. They've been working out. They've been trying to find ways to stay in shape. But the fact of the matter is, whether it's hockey, baseball, 
football, soccer, whatever it is, if you take four months off from being in a game setting, yep. things change a little bit. Right. You know, if, you, if you're a baseball player and you're you're out for an entire offseason, you can work out and be in greatest shape as you want, but you just you step out on the field, your arm's not ready to throw 95 pitches. You you know, your bat may not be up to speed. It's yeah. it's I mean, it's those kinds of things. And so this this I think was a day for the Stars to 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 kind of see where guys are at, see what they need to do over these next couple of weeks to get guys where they want them. And I think hopefully it sounds like, for, you know, from your perspective and some of the uh, other writers that were there, other people who cover the Stars, it sounds like that it was an impressive display in terms of, you know, that they had all the guys on the ice. And it seems like guys were probably up to par, at least where they need to be at this point in time during the training camp period. Yeah, and in the first week, you can only expect so much, but... So far from what Rick Bonus has said every day following camp, he's liked what he's seen. He hasn't necessarily been disappointed in certainly not the effort level, but he really hasn't sound he really hasn't had many criticisms of anything this Dallas Stars team has done over the first four days on the ice. So I that has to be a positive sign. Of course, when your coaches isn't necessarily picking apart your game, things seem to be trending in the right direction. So the hope is that that will continue over the next eight days up until the Stars travel to Edmonton next Sunday on July 26th. But as Rick Bonus said today, we, uh, when asked about ramping up the physicality, he said, we need it. Because obviously, you only get one exhibition game, Kenneth, and every team only gets one. But that's not a whole lot of time to kind of get the motions, get the feelings back of a game atmosphere. And so to get as much of that as possible in training camp will definitely be payoff in the long run. So when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about what the Stars did in training camp today. We'll also dive into Vesna finalists and how that may, or how that, I guess, affects, not really affects, Kenneth, uh, how that involves... Where, where the Stars tie into yes, that. Yes, how the Dallas Stars... Uh, goaltenders of Ben Bishop and Antonio Dome and how they tie into that as well. We'll talk all about that when Locked on Stars podcast continues in a moment. Back here, the Locked on Stars podcast, bringing you this Friday evening episode. I'm Josh Clark, the Dallas correspondent at NHL.com. Joined by Kenneth Nash, the site expert, NolanWrighton.com on the Fan Side Network. We're here talking day four of Dallas Stars summer training camp. Obviously getting ready for the NHL's return to play scheduled for August 1st in the hub cities of Edmonton and Toronto. The Stars will be traveling out on July 26th. They started training camp this past Monday, July 13th. So only 13 days of available practice time, Kenneth. And they'll also be taking a few different breaks uh, in between, they took a break yesterday on Thursday. They'll once again take a break on Monday, and then they'll take another break on Thursday before traveling out on Sunday. So 10 days on the ice, that's not a whole lot of time when you've been off four months. And so, as Rick Bonus said the other day, they've been trying to break the game down in increments. So each day, trying to focus on something new, uh, try and not only polish the rough edges that they may have had back in March and February and January before the season was paused, but also reinforce the things that they are good at, the things that they know, the things that they are well-versed in. And that was kind of what today's focus was on. The first three days of camp, it were heavy on offense, Kenneth. We talked about that a lot. We talked about activating one, activating a defenseman as a fourth forward, trying to have more consistent, more consistency in the offensive zone, more puck possession, 
creating more scoring chances as well. Today, more of the focus was shifted onto the defense, which, as Rick Bonus said, and he said many times before in the Zoom call today, uh, we get our offense from good defense. And so, definitely... Working on the defensive side of things today, a lot of it was one-on-ones, two-on-twos, and three-on-threes in the offensive zone. They actually split the team or split group one in half. One half went to one end of the ice, one half to the other, and they were working on one-on-ones, two-on-twos, and three-on-threes, trying to. They started the started the drill from the corners, so below the circles, uh, behind the net, you know, in the corners near the boards, trying to get away from the defender and use their teammates to try and create scoring chances. And meanwhile, the defense trying to shut them down. And as if you read Sean Shapiro's article in The Athletic from this afternoon about observations from camp today, there was a lot, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of scoring. Sean said there was none at all in his end of the ice because with the media being socially distanced, he's in one end of the ice, I'm in the other end. So we were talking throughout the day. He said there was no scoring in his end of the ice with Anton Hudobin in goal. And I believe he had the Ben Dickinson Perry line and the cogliano Faxacomo line. And then on my end of the ice, I had the hints guryanov sagan and the Janmark-Pavelski-Radulov lines. And besides, a Pavelski backhander. And then I believe, Heike told me, maybe I missed this when I was looking down at my phone, he said Sagan had a shot from the slot in a defensive breakdown. There wasn't a whole lot of scoring, Kenneth. And that, I guess, just reinforces the idea that... And I guess it's not necessarily a bad thing, but at the same time, when you want to see more offense, maybe it's not the best thing. But it reinforces the idea that defense is this team's backbone. Yeah, defense is the team's backbone, and and so it's not really a stun. It's not really a shocker to kind of see that the, the, the things played out that way. I guess that the uh, the offensive guys struggled to create chances. And let's, I mean, let, let's be frank about it. You know, this is a, a offensive zone drill where they're working on on creating space in the zone, and it's not really a transition drill. And and that's something the Stars have struggled with it too. Is is creating options and creating opportunities when they're deep in the offensive zone, finding ways to recycle play and get things moving again. So it's a good drill, I think, for the team to address, but it is a weak point for the offense, and it's a strong point for the defense. So it's a good test for the for the offensive guys, but not necessarily a shock that they struggled, especially when you've got the guys in net that the Stars do. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, credit to the defense because they certainly looked good today, uh, especially you know in my end. I think I had the defensive pairings were... I'm trying to recall off the top of my head here um, because they, they were all cycling through throughout the day in both ends. But I know Stephen Johns and Andre Sekiro were down there in my end. And then uh, Essa Lindell and John Klingberg were down there as well. So arguably, you know, four of your uh, – arguably your top four – and obviously you can't forget about Miro Haskin and Jamie Alexiak. But four of your top defenders on the team were all down in uh, – were all down in, in the – in my end of the ice, rather, and they really were. You can tell I'm burnt out a little bit, Ken. It's been a long yeah. week. Well, it's also it's also trying. This. It's hard trying to say my end of the ice as opposed to somebody else's end of the ice. But yes. social distancing has created a lot of new scenarios. They for have. People. Yes. Thank you for that. But it, it's been a long week. You know, trying to get back into a rhythm, trying to get back game into shape. Daily. Yes, the game. I'm trying to get back into my own game <laughs> shape here. But anyways, as as Sean and I talked about a little bit over text, yeah, it didn't seem like a whole lot of good offensive scoring chances. And so 
Obviously, they want to work on that, and Rick Bonus mentioned in the Zoom call after practice that they'll continue to work on that, continue trying to. But it, I guess on the positive side of things, Kenneth, the defensemen were being activated more often in both ends of the ice. They were being brought into the play more and trying to help with scoring chances. So it, it's a work in progress, and obviously you look at the calendar, you might be a little worried of, oh, there's only they've only got you know another week before they got to head to Edmonton, but... At this point of the season, they know that they're going to get their offense from their defense. And so using the defense as much as possible and reinforcing the idea that the defense is the catalyst in all of this will definitely help in the long run or should help in the long run at least. But let's shift gears, Kenneth. Let's shift gears a little bit further back from the defense to the crease. Let's talk goaltending. This morning, the NHL announced the three finalists for the 2019-2020 Vesna Trophy. Uh, Tuka Rask of the Boston Bruins, Connor Hellybuck of the Winnipeg Jets, and Andre Vasilevsky of the Tampa Bay Lightning were the three finalists. Remember, this award is voted on by general managers, and so this award has already been voted. It's already been determined who's going to win, Kent. These are simply the top three vote-getters among all 31 GMs in the NHL. And just going through the stats really quick, it's it's I guess these three are... I guess the expected three of, of the Vesna finals. When when I looked when I looked back in you yeah. know, May when the season was called complete and looking at the stats, I kind of figured these three, and I'm sure most NHL fans, NHL media, figured that these three guys would be the top three because you looked at the stats, you looked at the wins, you looked at the save percentage, you looked at number of games played. These three guys, and you looked at the fact that all three of these guys are going to the playoffs uh, or at least going to the qualifying round. And it was kind of obvious that these three would be high up on the list. Connor Hellebuck played more than 50 games for the Jets for the fourth straight season, led the league with six shutouts. He also finished second in wins with 31. He was 31, 21, and 5 this season with a 2.57 goals against average and a 9.22 save percentage. That was seventh best in the NHL. Then you uh, shift down to Tuka Rask, who was 26, 8, and 6 on the year. Uh, helped the Bruins clinch the Jennings Trophy with the least number of goals allowed in the NHL, him and Yaroslav Halak. Led the league with a 212 goals against average. He was also tied for second with five shutouts and was second in save percentage, 929. Second only to, let's get our Dallas Stars caveat in here, or our Dallas Stars fill in here, rather, Anton <laughs> Hudobin. Second only to Anton Hudobin, who finished uh, top the leaderboards with a 930 save percentage. And then finally, Andre Vasilevsky, 35-14-3 this year, led the NHL in wins for the third season in a row, had a 21-game point streak from December 17th to February 15th, 1902. If you remember, Tampa had two separate 10-game win streaks uh, in the middle chunk of the season after kind of a, an iffy, you know, I guess, non, non uh, atypical start for the Tampa Bay Lightning this season. But then, you those are your three guys, Kenneth, and... We'll talk about it a little more after the break coming up, but we just know that we're, we're going to talk Dallas Stars goalies, of course, as well, but we'll talk about these three guys. We'll talk about how the Dallas Stars goalies could have factored into this list if they should have factored into this list. We'll break all that down when Lockdown Stars podcast continues in a moment. Back here at the Locked On Stars podcast, wrapping up this Friday evening episode. We are back to five episodes a week. Kenneth, I cannot believe it. 
We finally made it back up to five episodes a week, and we really didn't miss a beat. At least I don't think we might have, but I don't. I think we were pretty <laughs> solid for the most part. I think the timing was very generous because it was it was directly coinciding with when the stars started training camp. There was fresh news. You've got awards news. You've got you know there there was plenty to talk about. If we had tried to do this, I think like two weeks ago. It would have been a lot rougher, yeah. but I think we were. Uh, it was generous and blessed to uh, have a good amount of content to talk about. Yep, we've had lots of content this week. So once again, we're asking all of our listeners. Once again, thank you all for keeping up with us over the past four months. You know, continuing to click in and listen every day. Obviously, it's been kind of a weird time. We took over just a month before the pandemic started. So that first month was great, Kenneth. And then things got, we kind of had to uh, freestyle a little bit there. And we kind of had to change course a good bit. But I think we've made it so far. We're still, for the most part, sane. But thank you all. Thank you to all of our listeners for continuing to keep up with us. We also want to ask, if you know any Dallas Stars fans that don't know us, if you know any Dallas Stars fans that never heard of us, Please, you know, share the news. We want to be able to reach as many Dallas Stars fans as we can. We've got crazy times coming up, lots of hockey coming up. We want to be able to reach the mass of Dallas Stars fans, if at all possible. So please, if you haven't, spread our name around. And thank you to those who have. But please just let your friends know, let your family know that we're here. We exist, Kenneth. We exist as a podcast. Isn't that great? I never thought I'd say those words, but... We exist here as a podcast. We exist. But anyways, let's get back to the topic at topic at hand, talking Vesna Trophy finalists. Before the break, we kind of highlighted the three finalists, Tuka Rask, Connor Hellybuck, and Andre Vasilevsky, uh, being named the top three vote-getters by NHL GMs for the league's top goaltender this year. But, Kenneth, we, we noted that these were kind of the obvious choices. These were the expected choices. But... I guess let's talk. Let's let's go ahead and get into it. You know, we had to get into it at some point. Let's talk about Dallas Stars goaltenders as well, because a lot of Stars fans today were commenting about why was Ben Bishop? Why was uh, I think they were all commenting on Sean Shapiro's tweet more more than or I guess most of them were commenting on Sean's yeah. tweet about why Ben Bishop wasn't included. Some even you know why Anton Hudobin wasn't included, and I think it all boils down to the fact, Kenneth, that you arguably have two of the top 10 goaltenders in the NHL this season. They were both in the top 10 in save percentage. They were they were ranked in the top 10 by NHL Network in terms of goalies returning for the playoffs. And so when you have two of the top 10 goalies, that kind of tells you all that you need to know right there, the fact that neither was a Vezina Trophy finalist because both played so often this year. Yeah, I mean, when we talked about this before we started recording, uh, we were kind of discussing topics for today. You know, we talked about diving into the Vesna finalists and how the stars would have factored in. And, and obviously, we both agree um, these were the three that we expected. We weren't really anticipating uh, either Anton Hudobin or Ben Bishop to get into the finalists. Um, and it's it's just for the reason you outlined. It's, it's, it's a product of their own uh, superiority as a tandem, really, is what it comes down to. Yeah. They are, uh, obviously, according to NHL Network, you could argue that they're the best uh, tandem left in the postseason this year. Um, they're both top 10 goalies in NHL Network's mind, but I think for a lot of uh, hockey fans out there that follow things closely, I think they would probably agree. Yeah. Um, at least close to, to two top 10 goalies. 
Um, and so I think because of that, they obviously split time more than a lot of teams do um, in the crease. And because of that, they've had a little bit more limited opportunities to uh, to generate wins. And, and Sean Shapiro had a good reminder to people that GMs do tend to factor in wins a little bit more heavily right. on their ballots than, say, a writer or a, a really dedicated fan might. You know, they, they, they put value on that because at the end of the day, a GM's job is to build a team that's going to win. And if you're winning, and that's a, tr- that's a stat attributed to uh, goalies, they're going to factor it in. Um, and so I th- that's really what it comes down to. And you look at you look at Ben Bishop and Ant- Anton Hudobin's stats for the year in terms of wins. They're both decent. Uh, Anton Hudobin's won 16 of his 30 games that he's played in. And uh, Ben Bishop's won 21 of his 44. Not bad stats at all. And then you go over to the save percentage and goals allowed average, and they're two of the best in the NHL. And I think that's where fans are going to kind of fixate on. And it's understandable. You look at Anton Hudobin. He had the best save percentage in the NHL. Right. Ben Bishop is... is after last year's Vesna uh, snub, if you want to call it that, I think fans felt a little bit like there's something owed maybe to Ben Bishop. He was good again this year. Maybe not quite as dominant, but he was still very good. Yeah. But when you think about it, I, from an Anton Hudobin perspective, it would have been a long shot for him to get in. He's just not played enough. I mean, right. that's really what it comes down to. Yep. He's played in 30 games, started 26. Yes, he has the great goals allowed average. Yes, he has the best save percentage in the NHL among qualifiers. But you've just got to play more games to win the Vesna. Ben Bishop, there's a legitimate case. If he had been in the top three, you would have had an hard argument to say he shouldn't have been in the top three. And for I sure. know, yeah, I know a lot of people will have said, you know, he he was very deserving to be in the top three. Um, and I'm sure if you could see the, you know, who came in fourth or fifth, he would probably be at the, one of the guys who just missed out. Yeah. yeah you, you'll, you'll see he's one of the guys that just missed out, but it's frankly, it, it really comes down to, he was limited by the fact that he is not the clear cut number one in Dallas. And from a team's perspective, that's a good thing. You Absolutely. want that. You want to have both goalies who can play right. uh, X number of games, split time, you know, 60, 40, roughly, uh, during the regular season, and both be really good. But you look at the guys who who are gonna who are the finalists. Vasilevsky's the clear cut number one, reigning Vesna winner. Connor Hellyabuck has been basically the Winnipeg Jets team this year. Yep. He has absolutely kept them uh, just afloat this season. They've had an up and down year, but he's been phenomenal. And Tuukka Rask, obviously, whether you want to argue that. His wins are the product of playing for the best team in the NHL. There's a case to be made, but he's been phenomenal this year as well. So not really a stunner that neither of them made it in terms of Anton Hudobin and Ben Bishop. Um, you know, it, And it's just how things go. I don't think their minds are on it that much, though. I think no. both of them have a uh, bigger picture in mind. They do, and, and that is that they, they know they're one of the top tandems in the league, and they know that when you're a top tandem, when you're a top duo, you're you're – partner in crime, I guess, if you will, is going to have just as much of a spotlight as you are and just as much of a role as you are. And when you get down to single player individual awards, that obviously takes a hit, your chances of winning that award. And and as yeah. you mentioned, you know, winning or wins play a huge role in the GM's uh, mind when they vote. That's it, It's shown it's just a trend over the years with Vesna winners. And even so much as last year, as we said, Andre Vasilevsky led the league in wins last season with 39 through 53 games played. Meanwhile, Ben Bishop, while he had 27 wins last season, so 12 less wins, he led the league in save percentage with a 934, while Vasilevsky had a 925. Bishop also had a 1.98 goals against average to Vasilevsky's 2.4 
But then when you got to the vote tally at the end of June when the awards came out, it wasn't really even close. Vasilevsky, I think, took away like 70% of the vote or 65% of the vote between the three finalists. And it just it shows that wins are valued, Kenneth. And while Bishop and Hudobin got a lot of wins, they both split those wins. Yeah, and I think that's probably where... Uh, where Stars fans are a little bit jaded. I think I think the hope that he would, Ben Bishop being he, would be a Vesna finalist comes from the fact that he, when you look at it last year, the stats, he really was better than Vasilevsky in a lot of measures. Right. And when you look at wins, yes, Vasilevsky had a few more, but he played for by far the best team in the NHL. And it's, right. you know, when you're, his team is absolutely dominating other, you know, opponents it's not hard to be really, really good and pick up a lot of wins, whereas Dallas was a good team last year, but they were no, nowhere near the par of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I think fans, and, and rightly so, are a little bit frustrated by that fact, and then this will just compound that a little bit. But this year it does make a little bit more sense that, that he's probably just on the outside of those top three. Yeah, and it's a debate as old as time. The debate will continue to rage on as the NHL continues, you know, season after season. But for now, it's, I mean, even Sean Shapiro said, I think Sean tweeted out that personally he would have put Bishop probably third on his Vesna ballot behind Helia Buck and Rask. I honestly think Tuka Rask will probably win this year. But again, with Vasilevsky winning 35 games, he might end up getting it again because Rask only won 26th. But then Rask's numbers, it's kind of the same with the Bishop and Vasilevsky from last season. Lots to debate, obviously. Not really our, our, uh, our grounds to debate, Kenneth, because there's no Dallas Stars goalies involved. But that's kind of the reasoning if any Stars fans are wondering or a little upset about uh, why Bishop or Hudobin were not included. Although I do think both will receive votes. I think Bishop will finish in the top five, top six among uh, vote getters. And Hudobin might even, you know, might even crack the top ten. You never know. But yeah. at the moment... That's all, that's all on that, Kenneth. Let's go ahead and shift gears now to some good news regarding the Dallas Stars playoff schedule. Just going through this right quick. The Stars actually announced their broadcast schedule for the 2020 Stanley Cup qualifiers today. Uh, if you haven't seen the press release, it's on DallasStars.com right now. But basically, what, what we know now is Fox Sports Southwest and Sports Radio 96.7-1310, the ticket, will cover and will carry the exhibition game on Thursday, July 30th against the Nashville Predators at 3 p.m. It will also carry the first game of the round robin against the Vegas Golden Knights on Monday, August 3rd at 5.30. It'll end the Wednesday, August 5th game at 5.30 against the Colorado Avalanche. The August 9th game, the third round robin game against the St. Louis Blues is still TBD both on time and broadcast network. And in addition, we also learned that Fox Sports Southwest will broadcast at least three games of the first round of the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. All those games will also be simulcast on 96.7 and 13.10, 96.7 FM, 13.10, the ticket. So, Kenneth, it's nice to hear that at least we'll get some of our home broadcast mm-hmm. crew because I know yep. a lot of Stars fans, you know, the reason, one of the main reasons they watch Stars games is because they get to hear Josh Bogorod and Daryl Ray on the call every night, I mean, for 75-plus games every season. So it's nice to see that they're going to get uh, play a pretty big role in the opening weeks of this revised Stanley Cup playoff format. 
Yeah, it, it is. And obviously, you know, there's always something nice about watching the home broadcast, especially in the playoffs here. Uh, for fans, emotions are already amped up a little bit. The last thing you want to hear is uh, a neutral person calling the game because sometimes, you know, they're going to be a little bit more critical of your team. And, and you don't need that negativity in your life as a Dallas Stars Stanley Cup playoff watcher and fan. So it is nice, though, to see Fox Sports Southwest is going to have a couple of those games and kind of can help get fans back in the uh, in the groove and in the mood for uh, some playoff hockey. Yeah, and if there's, you know, the casual Dallas sports fan, what better way to start up uh, Stanley Cup playoff viewing than with Josh Bogrod and Daryl Razor Ray. So happy to hear that they'll be back on the call. Hopefully that means that I'll be working those games as well. So yay, work for Josh. Um, but anyways, that's about all we've got for our Friday episode. So once again, wanted to thank all of you for continuing to listen to us, continuing to support us through this time. We've finally back to five episodes a week that will continue throughout the playoffs. So make sure to spread the word about locked on stars anywhere you can with anyone you can, any Dallas stars fans, you may know that may be looking for a daily stars podcast, daily stars content and not know about us. So please let them, let them know. Thank you again for all the support. Kenneth, the floor is yours. You know, I'm, I'm leaving the floor open to you before the weekend. We, we've got weekend right around the corner. Lots of war zone coming up, I'm sure, tonight. Uh, we got unfinished business, but the floor is yours. Uh, first off, hope everybody has a great weekend. One of the last weekends you will have for the foreseeable future without hockey in it. Uh, if all if all continues to go as planned, I know everybody's excited about that. But what better way to compliment your hockey watching on the weekends then a daily Dallas Stars podcast. We're back to our daily format, so make sure to hit subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast so we show up in your feed every single day. You don't have to go searching for us. We're there. We're in your Spotify playlist, in your Apple podcast playlist, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, too, at Locked on Stars. We drop links to every single episode on Twitter, and that's where we will engage with you guys. That's where we're going to be. If you want to get some uh, in conversation during the playoffs, I'll be running that account. Josh will be busy with his two laptops, two, two laptops. Laptop I can't wait to engage both of them again. <laughs> So, uh, but I'll be on that account, engaging with y'all, answering questions, and and enjoying the playoffs like uh, like the rest of you. So make sure to follow us at Locked On Stars, and you can follow our personal accounts too at Kenneth underscore Nash nineteen. I mostly retweet Josh, who's at Josh underscore Clark. Thank you zero two, and he's got confidence. all the all the freshest news, all the freshest updates, and opinions regarding Dallas Stars hockey. So make sure to give both of us a follow, and uh, we'll see you next week, I guess, Josh. Kenneth. I do this. I do all these tweets just for you, just for those retweets. They, they, make, they make my day. So just thanks again, everybody. Hope you're well. Hope you're all safe. And we will talk to you on Monday.